when artist Yamandu Canosa knocks on Salvador Dali's door. What happens next? Enter the world of contemporary art in a new special exhibit, now at the Dali Museum. On another exciting entry of animation deliberation, our scan is complete and we have your diagnosis. You need more animation deliberation in your life. We are covering the Disney Plus miniseries Baymax. Stay tuned for that right after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am one of your hosts, Jay Scotty St. Clair. I'm Zahara Lee. And I am Andrew Rogers. Well, guys, it's uh, another exciting day here at the Animation Deliberation Studios. Studios? <laughs> when did we get a brand? We're doing this virtually, but, you know, got to sell it to the listeners here. But no, uh, you guys covered Big Hero 6 recently in preparation for this series. Uh, I wasn't present for that conversation, but I really like that movie. Uh, it's kind of interesting that it's like one of the... It's actually it's the first like Marvel comics purely Disney like adaptation. Like obviously there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but this is where they took like a Marvel character and did what Disney does best with like Disney animation, just did their own spin on it. So I really enjoyed it and was looking forward to this series, but uh this series was not what I expected in a lot of ways. So what did you guys think? I think the series is what I expected, but it was kind of a roller coaster of being so excited to have Baymax back on screen after eight years to finding out that it's just a miniseries and like hardly 10 minutes per episode to just Mm -hmm. absolutely loving every episode. Like I had a I I don't know if I read it somewhere, if I just had a feeling that it would be more about Baymax and his uh, protocol of just helping people. So mm-hmm. the premise of it wasn't a surprise to me, and I enjoyed every bit of it. It was just uh, the fact that they were so short and came out all together that made me stunned a little bit. Yeah, I guess I was expecting something longer for sure, and I agree with you. I was almost let down because we have our group chat uh, outside of this, and I put in there, oh, they dropped all the episodes. Like We were expecting to do this over the next couple weeks, so I didn't know quite what was going on when they said they dropped them all at once, but it mm-hmm. kind of felt more like a movie at that point and especially Mm. the way that they brought it all together at the end it was just Mm -hmm. this it was this nice arc of like it felt like a disney channel movie you had an hour where you just got to go on little misadventures with baymax It, Mm -hmm. it was great it was emotional it reminds me of the great avatar the last airbender episode where they all had their little side quests and then came together at the end to find appa like it was that same level 
of yeah let's do this all together guys and i i really ended up liking it mm-hmm. not necessarily to the degree of big hero 6 i would have mm-hmm. liked a little bit more of our cast of characters along with baymax but baymax is lovable and amazing and like how could we not have that fun out of him in all of these episodes so i was thinking more i was thinking more of the what if template i did also get the what if vibes for sure with yeah. less confusion yeah, I, I think that's a fair comparison. It definitely kind of had an anthology feel to it where it was like very much like fitting a certain mold. Like you have Baymax encounter a quote unquote patient. They're very resistant to his assistance and then just his continued pursuit of them. They eventually like let go and, and let him deliver the care that he's trying to provide. But um, as much as I was surprised, I wouldn't really say I was let down. I was just kind of like, pleasantly surprised and delighted because I think it it holds to the high standard that Big Hero 6 set in terms of like quality and and heart but it definitely kind of eschews those high-flying heroics um, in place for what Baymax was always intended to do and he's like basically the ultimate healthcare provider and and caretaker and so like in that way I thought it actually like harkened back to a lot of like cartoons of yesteryear like looney tunes or even like tom and jerry whereas it's obviously not super violent like some of those were but it is very much like baymax does the same thing in every single episode except for the last one and uh yeah i just i really ended up enjoying it yeah i like that analysis and you talk about quality and before we even get into the actual story of all this i just want to say I was amazed at the animation quality. So many times when you get a TV show based off of a movie, they kind of hand it to what feels like a secondary animation studio, and they're still doing a very good job, but there's usually a stylization difference or Mm -hmm. some degree of difference you can pick up on. Everything gets so much flatter. Yeah, you get all those flat 2D things going on, and I don't know if that's because they're using a more modern 3D approach, but it felt like you were watching the movie. It was such a high quality of animation. All of the way that the characters were moving was flawless and fluid. Baymax still had that chunky robotic blubberiness to him. And it was just, it was great all the way around, not even considering the story, just on the animation and also music side. They played a lot with the music and it was good. Like just talking about that quality before we start to dig into each episode, Mm -hmm. I was absolutely blown away. No fallout boy this time. Oh, see, I I didn't rewatch the movie. I, I did Fallout Boy like feature heavily in the in the original movie. Oh, Immortals was like the theme song of the movie. Oh, okay, okay, which yeah. is arguably more popular than the movie back in 2014 when it came out. Interesting, interesting. I had my my fun in the sun with Fallout Boy once upon a time, but I haven't listened to them in forever. I'll have to go back and listen to that track. Uh, but speaking to the like the film level quality, I did read a little excerpt where. Apparently they reused some of like the animation rigs and models that they used in Big Hero 6, but they obviously had to update them uh, for the modern technology and kind of go through with like a fine tooth comb and make sure there weren't any glitches or errors. But on the other side of things, you spoke about the music, but I think a big part of what helped sell this is actually existing at the same level of quality and, and feel just like Big Hero 6 was the fact that they brought back significant members of the the voice cast you had ryan potter voicing hero hamada uh maya rudolph coming back as aunt cast and of course scott adsit as baymax and i don't know if i've ever seen i don't know if i've seen scott adsit in anything outside of 
his role as Baymax, and then why am I forgetting the the sitcom with Liz Lemon, Tina Fey? Was that Thirty Rock? Thirty Rock. Thank you. I don't know. Why I couldn't think. I was thinking like Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> I was like, it involves a number, but it's not Brooklyn Nine Nine. Thirty Rock. Yeah, that's the only other thing I think I've ever seen him in. But he's he's got a talent for voicing a lovable and uh, endearing character. Yeah, the funny thing about Ryan Potter is obviously this is eight years later, so having that deep voice on a person who hasn't aged in that time was pretty funny. Mm. I thought that at least make Hero seem a little bit older to kind of like blend that a little bit, because clearly it's been some time, but nope, they made their choice. Uh, in regards to Scott, though, like I love how he actually had like the Siri voice when it came into like filling in like a diagnosis or a body part is like you have pain in your foot mm-hmm. it's just kind of like the the drop off in the tone like it's filling in the blank he did yeah. such a good job at like <laughs> it, you know being the voice assistant mm-hmm. and while you bring up ryan potter i know you're a big like dc fan in general but titans in particular i didn't know he was he's beast boy on on titans did you make that call out he's one of those that's walked in both worlds this is obviously a marvel disney property but he's done a lot in the dc side of things too and i think once upon a time he actually like campaigned to be the robin like tim drake robin for ben affleck's batman like he submitted a whole like stunt reel and sent it directly to ben affleck and said please make me your robin that's really interesting i knew he was beast boy but i had no idea about that and yeah you know, say what you will about Titans and those shows writing. I think he does a good job as Beast Boy just in an acting capacity. He's got a phenomenal way that he emotes and kind of works. So happy to get him in both of these worlds. But honestly, up until like three minutes ago, I didn't know this was Marvel uh, property. I knew that Marvel had helped them develop this movie, but I thought that was the extent of it. Like this was a totally whole cloth original character. I had no idea that this was actually like Marvel made uh, Baymax and Hero first and then they adapted it into this film. I am kind of blown away by that now that we're getting that information and we did not talk about this in the movie cast. Yeah, and you know like how with <laughs> Disney movies, like they take a really dark story and they add like that Disney effect just to, you know, things like Pocahontas, for example. Apparently okay. Big Hero 6 was one of those comics where it was like, this has some like, raunchy material in it and they were just like let's just add the disney effect to it (laughs) yeah yeah interesting well before we get into the show i'll ask you jay scotty is there anything else you want to talk about movie wise since you weren't here when we talked the movie the first time um off the top of my head no i i don't think so but i appreciate (laughs) the the query Yeah, you know, we got to make sure because it was just chaos that evening as we were trying to figure (laughs) out how and what we were going to record for. So I figured I would ask. But uh, yeah, then let's jump into the show. Right on. So did you guys have like a particular favorite episode? Because like, as I kind of mentioned at the top, I feel like all five, there were six episodes in total, but the, the final episode was definitely kind of a deviation in a lot of ways. But the rest of them really fit this kind of mold where you're presented with the patient, they get injured and then Baymax comes to the rescue. They're very resistant initially, but you know, Baymax with his (laughs) unrelenting care and unflappable charm eventually wears them down and delivers 
the the care that he's supposed to. I have my two personal favorites, but I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys if you're leaning in any direction. First off, I'm gonna say is that I love his lack of boundaries. He's like, I will treat you and you will like it. And <laughs> when he did approach um I don't know if it's Yachi or Yaki, the cat. I was expecting mm-hmm. him to like meow because there was like a template going off of, but it was actually just going off of the headphone, which hilarious. But my <laughs> favorite episode was definitely the one with Cass because that's the most relatable with what I'm going through right now. Okay. Uh, just this like American nature of like needing to work through the pain because you have to work and you have to business and you have to like make sure your customers are happy and this and that. And mm-hmm. I've had uh, rotator cuff issues all year, but I haven't taken like a single rest day which is Mm. why my physical therapy has been damn near six months now. So between that and cortisone shots and not, I I literally couldn't move my arm for four or five months. Get Uh, them, Baymax. Get them. To see Cass go through that and just had those reasons, all the reasons in the world not to be able to take a day off, despite what her, you know, clients say and her patients say and this and that. That was when mm-hmm. I was like, man, I need a Baymax. Just give me some icy hot every day and go take pictures of houses. <laughs> I'm sure you have steady hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time picking a favorite as we talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, two, three, four are just a solid like those three really were where I feel like it hit its stride. I was totally on board with what was going on. And that was like it for me. If okay. I had to pick. It might be too because Kiko was just so adamant about not ha- being in the pool and then Baymax like totally going full circle on her yeah. because you talk about the lack of boundaries. I don't know how charming Baymax actually was as opposed to creepy in some of these. Like oh, he was just popping out of corners and turning his head around. And I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, what's going on? here? Yeah, the cat one was definitely a horror episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's the, the perfect transition because I was kind of gonna kind of work backwards but yeah the cat yachi yaki whatever we want to call it that was definitely one of my favorite episodes and like when he was pursuing the cat into the warehouse i started to think and i think you know just the way the episode or the short kind of like presented itself my mind immediately started to go to what if they actually did like a horror take on baymax and i'm imagining like a live action baymax like he could really be like a horror character akin to like michael myers or jason Voorhees. he's just so unrelenting and then the episode played right into that because the airpod that was in the cat's throat started like mentioning about like this horror monster feature like Mm -hmm. uh so i just i i had like a genuine moment of like laughing out loud and kind of guffawing at that that the episode played with my emotions that well but i was i was laughing as well because i remember i was really trying so I shared the story about how me and my mom were just like geeking over this the first time we saw the teaser trailer. But there was one time we were having dinner and uh, my niece Zoya, who was probably like four at the time, she wanted to watch something while we were eating. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get her into Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. So I put it on and like she got like really uncomfortable, like on the brink of tears. And like everybody uh-huh. was loud and it was talking and. You, she couldn't hear the TV, so she couldn't like even understand the voices or anything like that. And then we're like, "What's wrong?" She was like, "I'm scared of the white monster." And I'm like, "Really? No, wow. no, no! That's not what you're supposed to get out of this." Because he's like in alleyways <laughs> and following Hero and chasing him around places yeah. and squeezing through the holes. So I'm just like, "That oh crap! She's never gonna watch this now." 
and oh, like no. three, four years later, she finally watched it and liked it. So thank God she's actually a fan. I love watching Disney movies with her. Right. On. But we were talking about like this whole horror episode, and I was like, I definitely witnessed a kid get terrified by him. So yeah, this makes sense. Hmm. I guess that voice does a lot for the huggable exterior actually uh, kind of working out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it, it it is an interesting kind of dichotomy there. Like, he is, like, the most, like, huggable and couldn't hurt a fly, and, like, all he wants to do is help people. But, yeah, I describe him as charming, but he can be kind of creepy in a way with just that monotone voice, and he really is. Like, I can only describe him as unrelenting unflappable but unrelenting you're going to get the care that he wants to <laughs> administer to you yeah, yeah he's got to be breaking some you know doctoral code somewhere along the way <laughs> as he's pulling a needle out of his finger for uh Mbita there like you will yeah. get this injection now yeah for sure <laughs> most people are afraid of needles yeah, bud. They sure are. yeah, he said that to himself as though he was like, oh, right, that's a thing I should know. I shouldn't scare him with my needle fingers. Mm. Like, <laughs> I'm downloading how to run a small business. <laughs> if only it was that easy, buddy. If only it was that easy. The cool yeah, thing right. with Mbita's episode is like this was the only really faction that we got to see like of him being a superhero uh, because when the when he was chasing the van and the van started going a little crazy and it was about to crash, um, mm-hmm. his ability to like throw him up and get in front of the car and stop it. And I'm just like, Oh cool. So your training from all that is still like in your memory right now. <laughs> yeah. I was impressed that he simultaneously prevented Mbita from getting smashed up against the wall, but then also managed to get the fish truck to land right back side up on its wheels. Like that's, that's pretty impressive. I was worried he's going to total that old thing. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't. He needed that for the later episode so they could distract the guards. It had to come full circle. <laughs> That's right. I get it. I'm impressed that he did it still. That's right. <laughs> I'm impressed too. Uh, but speaking of being impressed, I will say the second episode I had in mind was a really interesting kind of viewing experience for me because I personally believe, and I'm kind of surprised the episode hasn't come up yet, but I I think it's almost deserving of an Emmy and it's the episode Sophia where you have this young girl that's going to participate in a talent show and she experiences her first period. And when I was watching it, I was like, Oh no, this is going to be awkward and uncomfortable to talk about because I'm not a, a teenage girl. I've never been a teenage girl. I've never experienced that, but I just, I loved how the show tackled it with such deft and just what Baymax what excuse me what Baymax said lots of people feel uncomfortable about this but it is just a perfectly natural biological function and that's so true it's just our society and our culture that has created the shame and the uncomfortability and the awkwardness around it but I'm I'm really hopeful that I was kind of concerned I was like I don't know what target audience they're going for maybe there's going to be some parents that don't want to show this particular episode to their young kids but for those that do watch it I'm really optimistic and hopeful that it can like start a mature dialogue and there doesn't have to be this taboo around it. And it can really help, you know, young people come to terms with something that's been inappropriately kind of stigmatized, I I will say. Yeah. And I personally have not had a chance to watch Turning Red. And I know this is part of the conversation in this other Disney piece of animation. But just as you looked at this 
I couldn't agree more with you, Jay Scotty. They definitely handled this so much. They talked about how it was natural. They had a male character come in and literally he didn't freak out. They made it. Oh, yeah, this is how you would take care of this. Like, do I say congrats? Do I say that's good? (laughs) No, that doesn't feel right. Like, had this understanding of what was going on, tried to reassure, but didn't make it weird, didn't freak out. It was just so many good things. You talked about it being natural biologically. And then they also added in this whole other layer that I didn't see coming. And it was just the general fear of growing up and the way that like, this is a huge change for her because it feels like something has happened. And suddenly this goes back to the conversation that has been going on at length over on the MCU cast. Zuhair has talked about this um, with Miss Marvel, Mm -hmm. that the minute you have a character that you can see through the eyes of, but feel represented by and, you know, suddenly identify with, you understand them so much better. And that's what representation really should be, is mm. a better understanding of the situation. And the minute they turned it into this fear of growing up, how do you continue on when you have these things? And Baymax comforting her and saying, you're 12, you're still a kid, you have your whole life ahead of you. I was suddenly relating to this character because we've all been scared of growing up. I have yeah. shared on this show, I'm going through a move right now. You don't think I'm terrified of moving out of my parents' home for the first time? Like, sure. There was just so much of that, holy crap, I get what's going on in this moment that, again, should hopefully help to destigmatize what is going on with this girl getting her first period. That, yeah, it's something different than a man is going to go through, but the fact that I, as a man, could still relate to that moment was absolutely stunningly beautifully done and i i think this needs to be viewed through an amazing lens going mm-hmm. forward and used to again help garner this as a better conversation because i was a little scared going in or sure. when that episode started i was like okay how do three men talk about this exactly. exactly and then when the episode concluded i was like okay we have something because this conversation is a thousand times easier they made it better in yeah, my yeah. opinion yeah, we were talking about that uh, before we started recording about, like, how are three men supposed to talk about this? And my response to you was that, like, we're still allowed to have opinions on things. We're still allowed to have perceptions on things. Sure. And how far it goes and how far people want to listen is one thing. But, like, what if we're dads one day? Like, yeah. I have a little sister. I have nieces. Well, Like, God forbid there's a situation I become a single dad one day. This is something that I watch as a single dude that could be information and could be manner of explaining to a young woman one day. Like yeah. if, if it takes a 10 minute episode to let me experience a feeling of empathy that I could pass on to somebody struggling down the future, maybe somebody who is uncomfortable talking to their parents, maybe somebody who is like, you're all grown now, like screw all of your childhood stuff. Like as a 29 year old who, loves everything that he had as a child and all that like th- these experiences help us understand other people and unless right. we speak our opinions and openly talk about how we perceive things we're never going to find the actual understanding of what these people go through so if this is just a little peek into the lens we have to speak what we're getting out of this so that we get the information to make sure that we're perceiving things accurately in the big picture. So this type of dialogue, the stuff that Miss Marvel is doing, the stuff that we got to see in Young Justice, all of that is crucial to like lessening ignorance. 
Sure. These are the messages and these are the conversations that we like need to have with other people. And these shows are providing the opportunities to give us a dialogue to start those conversations to understand. Yeah. Yes. And you bring up it being a start of a conversation. I think that was a really good point that they Baymax did not explain. Here's what menstruating is. Here's what a period is. So if there he is a offered young, the video, he did. But <laughs> he if there is a young boy or girl out there that watches this show, they're going to have to turn to their parents and allow their parents to explain this to them and have mm. to, again, open the doorway for that conversation. So it was just hidden in such beauty. And then I also want to circle back to my other point in this episode where I paused and was fist pumping and just like, this is done so beautifully. Um, you talked about possibly being a father, Zuhair, was the scene of Baymax in the grocery store. That hmm. he had all of these people around him that were offering their preferences, their advice. They were trying to be nice and, you know, say, I prefer this tampon or this pad. But then not only was it all women there, there was a trans woman in the crowd that also offered the advice to remind that there are all people from walks of life having preferences with tampons, pads and periods. And then mm -hmm. a father was also in the background and said, oh, this is what my daughter used. He wasn't scared to be in the aisle. He was, you know, willing to help out what was potentially another father in Baymax. Like, obviously, Baymax doesn't have a gender or anything, right. but they still were like, this could be a parent. This is someone that needs help getting this information. How do we help doing that? And it was just another great, like, all of these people are here. All of these people have this knowledge. All of these people have these experiences and just... Again, it's not even about representation as much as showing how this really goes that I absolutely loved how they did that. Mm. And not to take away from the serious part, but I have to ask the question, where is Baymax getting all this money? Because he I wondered, yeah, right. I wondered things, the exact same like, thing. Did he steal this? What happened here? <laughs> I, so my headcanon well. for that my headcanon for that, because I didn't want to think that Hero just had like a maxed out credit card. I think that this program has evolved and developed enough through his time at the university that um, local, oh my god, why am I, local EMTs have actually like funded Baymax's like mm. tasking, which is why he's actually like surveying the city and stuff like that. So it's like an experimental thing to be like, is this something that we could implement on a larger scale? And they're like in a trial phase right now. So there's actually funding for. The materials that Baymax needs to operate. Yeah. Could we get more than one Baymax? Are they yeah. going to fund a bunch and we get a TV Just show of them? I've mind of Baymax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bay Matrix. I don't know. Does that work? Um, no, I, I buy that headcanon. I think you guys brought up a lot of great points, but uh, one of the ones that did stick out to me, like Andrew, you said it's, it's, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you were kind of referring to that representation, but kind of how it wasn't all about representation, but it did bring me back to what Zuhair brought up about like, it's one of those ways that we can connect to people outside of our, our walks of life a little bit more by experiencing this empathy for them. And I think it just really goes to show that how far Hollywood has come as much, as much as it has these failings and these trappings, I think we're, we're seeing writers from different backgrounds, creators from different backgrounds, really getting to lend their perspective and their voice and telling these stories that we haven't seen in the limelight a lot more. And I, I'm all for it and I'm really appreciative for it and, and super grateful for it. And I, especially when it's done with this kind of, this kind of touch, it's, it's, yeah, it's as informative as it is entertaining, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And I'm just going to transition as we talk about 
this natural representation to the Embita episode. I mm. I loved how good that was done. It was awkward flirting in yeah. this way that it felt natural. You're like, I've met a person that I want to talk to because they're cute and I'm going to say something weird. Didn't matter who the person receiving it was or who was saying it. It was just this beautiful show of how he could be. And I almost kind of want to see another episode or miniseries where Baymax is just like a matchmaker and he has to try and fix relationships because him trying to be a wingman was just so so funny (laughs) to that whole Embita thing and I I don't he was maybe my favorite character as much as I talked about how Mm. Kiko was pushing back and it was funny I think Embita just had all of this like lovable charm to how hard he was working to try and carry on the parents dream and stuff Mm. Yeah. I mean, who among us has not said to a potential, you know, romantic interest, N-T-E. I mean, I know I have. I know I have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start saying it more. I mean, (laughs) that's what I want to do. Yeah. But uh, did we also like, because at the end of the episode, I was like, he didn't find a substitute for the fish. What is he going to do? Did we like his solution that we got in the final episode? Or did neither was, pick up? Was he scene. working on? It was kimchi and stir oh, well, fry. That sounded delicious. It was a braised short rib kimchi stir fry. Yes, yes please. But oh, his yeah. bus was now named the Smorgasbus. <laughs> nice. And on the side on was pictures of tacos and pictures of fruits and pictures of lemons. So they, I'm guessing he just said, "I can't make anything anymore, so I'm gonna make everything." So cool. yeah, was I was just, just struggling to pronounce thing. the word. I had no idea what it said. I was guessing it was based off sh- like smorgasbord. Oh yeah, for it's sure. A board of smorgs. That's oh, not right. <laughs> <laughs> it is, a smorgasbord is generally an amalgamation of food that you just kind of throw together on a board to feed people. And yeah, I've never heard that word before, so oh. no, I did not make that connection. There we go. Word of the day: smorgasbord. Yeah, here's a quick aside. Uh, I've used Smorgasbord a lot in my life, and I'll never forget the first time I encountered it, and it was with the book Charlotte's Web. But Charlotte's Web has an awesome uh, animated adaptation from I, way back, I, th- I want to say like the 70s. Uh, but the rat character of Templeton has this whole musical number where he talks about a fair is a Smorgasbord. And I've been using Smorgasbord ever since then. I think I saw that as early like, second third grade maybe but great one I'm, I'm not trying to get too nitpicky but i this is one of those like how people say nip it in the butt instead of nip it in the bud for like mm. it being the saying after a rose it's smorgasbord not smorgasborg i ah. it's been one of those because it's german no one actually knows but yeah it's defined as I, a buffet offering of a variety of hot know. cold meals and orders. i appreciate the correction good to know I will use it correctly. Oh, sorry, Scandinavian, henceforth. not German, Scandinavian. <laughs> I'm I, sure Scandinavians would know. <laughs> you're Scandinavian, please write in at... <laughs> no, send your voice in, because us reading it doesn't help us at all. <laughs> yes, because I would honestly not be surprised if we're all pronouncing it wrong, and there is a proper pronunciation to the word, so... <laughs> I couldn't even read is. the word, so... <laughs> hmm. I have something to say about Kiko. Go for it. Yeah, let's jump in. She needs to take that white lotus headband off because if she's not bending her hips, she's not bending any elements. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I understood that reference. (laughs) I got that one. (laughs) The second she put that on, I was like, that makes sense. She's old. She could be white lotus. Oh, no. 
No, we need we need to work on those water bending skills, ma'am. Hmm. Well, hang on, hang on. The White Lotus was not only benders. She could be a martial artist. Yeah, we're not getting her. into specifics. Go with the joke and move on. I'm going <laughs> because that was another. Actually, no, because I do want to talk about her quote unquote martial arts skills. That was the scene where I was like, Baymax is terrifying when she threw the needle and yeah. he caught it out of the air and turned like, oh, this is what you're trying. Hmm. Like, <laughs> no, she no. did better than Kamala did. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you're referencing the latest episode, but I haven't seen it yet. That's why that's all I'm saying. But yeah, I was not prepared after how fun and jovial the cast episode was. I was not prepared for an emotional episode in the second one that the reason she was afraid of the water was not that she couldn't swim like I was expecting it to be. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, another great relation. Like, it doesn't matter how young I am compared to this person. You got to jump in. You got to do the things while you can. You never know when it's going to be there. So just like go do everything. And I I love good messages like this that don't make it mm-hmm. feel like a kid's TV show. Because, like, I know all of us growing up, it was hit you over the head with the bat that was, you know, sharing is caring. And yeah. they're finding so many more creative ways to, you know, write this into a show that I just, I love it. It's great. Yeah. So first off, I think that Cass definitely was emotional. Um, Probably just the oh, yeah. latest of the bunch. But for Kiko's, like, they didn't really elaborate. And I understand why. But I'm wondering, like, did he pass away and she just misses him or did like something happen in the pool when he was swimming? I interpreted it as the former. He loved this community pool so much and she lost him and it was just associating the pool with the memory of him. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same camp that like, I think it would have been a whole other conversation of don't go into the pool. If something happened in the pool, I think it was just much more of a, he loved it here how can I do this without him? Especially when like, I wouldn't go in the pool with him now that he's gone. It feels even worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as heartfelt as it all is, I did appreciate the way they kind of did that reveal. Like we, as the viewer very much believe that she did just like Baymax had this belief that she had a fear. She had water phobia, aquaphobia, and it set up one of like my favorite jokes when he set up the little kiddie pool right outside her porch and she stepped out <laughs> into the water and he said, you've taken your first steps into conquering your, your fear of water first steps right into a pool. That's great. Brilliant. I'm, I'm yeah. All about that, it. That whole montage was so funny. The, the hose <laughs> getting sprayed through the window and she couldn't <laughs> close it. Oh, I like, I, I verbally jumped at that and I was like, Oh, <laughs> and it looked like that was his expression too. Like I yeah. messed up. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Zuhair, you brought up the Cass episode and the emotion there too. And um, as I recall, the big emotional payoff for that one was Cass having this fear about having Baymax step in or even like closing the 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 cafe for a, a period of time would impede her ability to care for her family. But also, she has she's just so invested in her customers. So the fact that the cat, I think the cat's name is Mochi, was like running around with the GoPro and then got to like have this firsthand account of like all her customers telling her, you know, it's fine. Baymax is doing great. You take the time you need and just heal. We're not going anywhere. And I, I love that moment and it really had the emotional resonance, but on the subject of Mochi and it, it I even think about it with Yaki or, or Yachi, whatever we're uh, deciding on the pronunciation is there. If I had one negative about the series series at all, and it's very nitpicky, and I can't remember, I, I imagine the visual continuity is the statement in the movie, but 
as much as I know Disney has to like humanize animal creatures as much to convey that emotion. I did not like the way the cat eyes were animated. They were too human for me, like being a cat person and spending a lot of time around cats. It's just weird to see round pupils and irises in cat eyes. That's my one complaint and I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing for that. Like I'm allergic <laughs> to cats, so I stay away from them. So if you need to humanize mm. it for me to like not want to sneeze just watching on TV, then sure. That's, <laughs> it worked for me. <laughs> I just loved how round Mochi was. That's all I was looking at is how this mm. plump chonk cat was moving around this apartment. It was it was great. But mm. I'm curious. I only caught it in like two or three of the episodes. Was Yaki in all of the episodes? Ooh. I wasn't looking the first time, but I know Yaki was in the first episode outside of the cafe. He okay. was eating, or they, I don't know if we ever got a gender because I believe that's a standardly ja- female Japanese name. So, okay. I'm well, just it says go fiercely resist Baymax's efforts to relieve him of uncomfortable intrusion. There we are. Okay. So, uh, he was also eating out of the trash can at the farmer's market in the Imbita episode. Okay. And then obviously five and six were about him. So I'm just curious, was he also hiding somewhere in episode two and three? I was curious if you caught him anywhere in those. I didn't catch him, but I have to go back and do a rewatch now because I'm sure he's somewhere in the background. He has to be. Because I almost knew the cat was going to play a part when he was in more than one episode. And even at the end of the first one, when he showed up, I was like, this cat's going to be important. I don't know how They, they showed this cat for a reason. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't can't pick say up I on noticed it. him at all, but I also fell asleep after the third episode, so. Uh, oh. Heat exhaustion at my job is something else, dude. Well, you did watch them all, right? We're not just... Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Scan <laughs> complete. You are suffering from heat exhaustion. You need Damn to go right. to a cooler area and hydrate. I could have told him <laughs> that. <laughs> and as we laugh about robots, I was getting some serious Bumblebee vibes out of Yaki when the... Uh, mm headphone was stuck in his oh, throat. Yeah. All yeah. I could think of was uh, the original Michael Bay Transformers movie and the way that Bumblebee had to talk with the radio and the cat oh, was yeah. opening its mouth and having this dialogue coming. I was like, oh, I miss those movies. Those were so much fun. S- First, I want to say, like, what next-gen model of AirPods did that dude have that had such a range? And then I loved his taste of music at the beginning, but man, he has a very diverse shuffle. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> granted i do too but it was just funny to see <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> i guess i had a moment of consideration too where i was like what's the battery life on these things or the range but i of course it coincidentally dies it once long. it comes out <laughs> right right it was the electricity inside the cat as it moved because you know there's energy always from, going from all the purring and yeah and jittering okay. <laughs> Well, on the subject of needing electricity to keep going, do we want to talk about this final episode where Baymax ran out of power in the warehouse and then after spending all this time giving care to others and being the caregiver, he gets to be the patient and everyone gets to unite to rescue and take care of Baymax for a change? I'm going to say this is my one nitpick of the series here. Okay. That the plot device of Baymax being out of commission was him dying because Mm -hmm. like that was a crucial plot point in the movie 
of okay. heroes saying I should replace him with a better battery so he doesn't die as quickly and then went through this whole trial and tribulation of getting a dying Baymax home wherein he lasted a really long time in the drunken state and the fact that this Baymax just keeled over almost immediately while trying to get to the plug like I feel like hero would have engineered hey when you get to 25% power plug yourself in so we don't mm. have to deal with this. That was my only nitpick in my head of like, he's a smarter technical guy than to okay. let this happen more than once. It was fine, everything else. But I was like, Hero wouldn't let this happen. He has a better plan. He would come home at like a certain percentage. So something along those lines was running through my head the whole time. But I think Zuhair is going to call me out. So my headcanon for that was that he did have that feature, but he kept snoozing it because he hadn't helped his patient yet. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's a fair criticism and that it's just one of the benefits or maybe not much of a benefit because it may have detracted from your enjoyment ever so slightly, but not having a, watched, not okay, good, good. Having watched the movie so recently because I hadn't, that's one of the things I had kind of forgotten, but um, I'll, I'll buy Zuhair's headcanon, but I also, for my own headcanon, I'll, I'll say because Yachi or Yaki had scratched him up so much and he had to like apply all those bandages it was yeah an extra sap of his power because he lost a lot of air <laughs> and and this just comes to me being the technical person like i know if i design this robot that would be a thing so my mind is suddenly like no 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 he's smarter than this he's way smarter than me and i figured it out and that's mm. i think the only thing running in my head when i see stuff like this but no it didn't take away from my enjoyment i as we've talked about thoroughly enjoyed that was just my one i gotta say it for all of the technical people out there, I thought about it. Design Baymax. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. The the only other thought I had like along those lines, and I didn't really even chalk it up to a criticism, it was just a fleeting thought I had during the episode, is uh, they had this like map that showed everywhere that Baymax had been in the last couple of days, and it was a you know a great little visual gag to where Hima or uh, Hero was like, you know, we need to get out more. But my first thought was, why wouldn't you immediately look at the last place he was instead of having to like have Kiko use the cat as like Lassie? Like, let's follow this cat to where Baymax is. But yeah, well, I think, they, I think he even actually explained that away. And he said, Ready? oh, that's a pretty wide search area because I think it mm -hmm. was like he was in this general range. So then their plan was, well, we need other people to help us look there. Let's go mm -hmm. to his recent patients and see if he said he was going a place or they saw him do something or whatever. I think that was their kind of way to explain away why he couldn't just go right to that location because it wasn't exact. And you also saw mm -hmm. that he like he like moved around without his transport a lot, too. So like maybe the GPS was in the transport. Okay, and I'll buy that. Because Ooh, he strayed yeah. away from it so much, that's like you found that general location, but then it was like, okay, where is he in relation to this? Yeah, because okay. now that you say that, the GPS was pretty much only along streets, and mm -hmm. he did that whole roundabout fight we talked about where he was riding on top of the truck in the Ambita episode. That didn't yeah. show up anywhere on the GPS, so I kind of love the headcanon that the GPS is in the transport armor. Yeah. It works for me. Uh, I guess. Today. Yeah, yeah, you're on fire. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite thing about the episode, though, is like after you know seeing all these characters as patients, they really got to we got moments of their character and what their strengths were, and getting to see those all put on display to 
accomplish a goal and and save Baymax, and they even called them like Little Hero Six at the end, where he has the moment of uh, not quite getting it. With oh, that's that's ironic because there's a big Hero Six. Yep, that's the joke, Baymax. That's the joke. Uh, but in particular, Sophia getting to use her yo-yo skills because when we were talking about that episode, we didn't talk about how awesome that yo-yo choreography was. Again, I'm impressed and getting to see her use it as a a skill set was pretty cool. And then with Yachi, like right when you think he's abandoning Kiko and and saving his own skin, boom, there he is on the top of the roof, playing it up cute and effectively saving Kiko and Baymax. Uh, I love that guy that was like, we can't blow it up. I'm a cat person. I was thinking right. to myself, like, if you weren't a cat person, were you hitting the button? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. When before they said that it was a robot, they said my friend is in there, oh, and okay. that wasn't enough to stop the demolition. Yeah, this guy just really likes cats. Well, he said something to the extent like when he did find out it was a robot, he was like, "Oh, keep better track of your playthings. We don't have time to go in for a toy or something like that, right?" Something yeah. along the lines, yeah. Which, like, just okay. exp- show him a picture. Be like, this is not a toy. This is a yeah. human-sized robot. <laughs> right. But, yeah, yeah. no, it, it was a great culmination, and I didn't know how it was going to be solved, which is always a great way to do this, because I thought Kiko was done for for a moment. I was like, mm. oh, no. Either that or Baymax was going to, like, come to life and wrap his arms around them or something, but I didn't know if I could handle another Baymax fake-out death. Like, mm. watching the movie so recently once was enough. For sure. Because that, I will say, that was something we didn't talk about in the movie podcast. Had this series not been the reason I watched that movie, I assumed Baymax was gone at the end of that film. And I Mm. was just like, okay, now that I know there's a TV show coming, how is he coming back? What's happening? And then to get the reveal that he, like, put his memory in the glove was awesome. But, like, man, they know how to throw around a character like that that really hits you in the feels for being a robot maybe if you watched the movie eight years ago you wouldn't have had that problem Uh, (laughs) i came up here all proud that you got me to watch the movie don't make me take your credentials back sir yeah slight spoilers for guardians of the galaxy it just makes me think that 2014 was the year of like fake out sacrificial savior deaths from extremely cute and caring characters I mean, Frozen technically Groot actually did it too. died, though. Well, I was trying to avoid that. That's spoiler outright, but they br- they still brought him back. No, that's like his offspring. Yeah, they have. A, I believe James Gunn has confirmed. Yeah, that, that baby Groot is a new Groot, is not a smaller version of Big Groot. Yeah, yeah. I still have the character of Groot, so it's yes. it's yeah, soothes but... the loss. But yeah, fair enough. Okay. Really trying to find a way to get a sit on me James Gunn joke into this, but I, I couldn't quite get there. Have neither of you watched uh, the Harley explain. Quinn season three trailer? No. Well, everyone, Actually, go not. watch the Harley Quinn season three trailer. Uh, spoilers, I guess James Gunn is in the trailer. Uh, oh wow! Okay. So. Well, I mean, I don't need a question or dialogue anymore because the wording was <laughs> what and. I didn't want to ask because it just didn't seem like to play. But yeah, now it makes perfect sense and I get it. Well, I for one need to watch that trailer, but that's it's a great point to bring up. And uh, sorry that we missed out on the joke. But yeah, if we're done talking about Baymax, uh, let's spend the last little bit of the episode here 
talking about the future and things coming up. We did get the release date for Harley Quinn season three. The information that I have here is that we're going to get the first three episodes dropping on HBO Max July 28th. At least they announced it to us this time that it's the first three episodes, unlike Mm -hmm. Young Justice just appearing that way and we weren't prepared for it. Right. Yeah, so that's going to happen, and then I think uh, the next couple weeks are probably going to be pretty fluid with possible Harley Quinn coverage or other things, because like we said, we were planning on covering Baymax for six consecutive weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now we have some other stuff that we're just going to figure out how to throw in, because we also have the comics that were released for free on DC Universe Infinite that are canon to the TV show. So mm-hmm. that might be something else we kind of consider talking about, but um, yeah, we're kind of spitting. We also have like area. our, uh, we have our two interviews coming up as well. So uh, even though yeah, like we're not covering something on a weekly basis, July is pretty busy with content. Yeah, yeah um, we should probably say because when we posted the podcast yesterday, we were all excited for an interview happening on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, with the concert master of the Bob's Burgers movie. That interview has since been pushed back to, was it July 26th, Zuhair? Or when did we push that back to? Or did we not decide on a new date yet? We have a date. Man, I got so many emails from so many of these marketing people that... (laughs) (laughs) Just keep an eye on the social media. You'll know when it's up, but have your questions ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and we did tease the other interview that I guess we should now not tease and actually say we are going to be having an interview with Zach Barack, is it? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if it was Barack or how to pronounce that. Um, they are a the first openly trans actor, singer, and writer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They were in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And they are also on a new animated horror comedy adventure series, Dead End paranormal park with emily osmond and clinton Liu, so Mm -hmm. they have a pretty impressive resume all things considered and that's going to just be an amazing interview for us to get to do and that's coming up this thursday the 7th is when that interview is going to be happening uh i'm not uh, most likely not going to be a part of that so it's just going to be my two co-hosts so you're going to hear some questions that i write in And if you have any questions that you guys want to write in, please, please send those to us. We're always happy to put them into our uh, consideration book for what these interviews are going to look like. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, please stay tuned for that interview. Uh, The interview with the film composer we were mentioning will be with Maxwell Kazer, or excuse me, Kamerzen. And uh, stay tuned for the official date on that. I'm sure we will make uh, that well known on our social media as well as our upcoming podcast. But With that in mind, we will definitely cover Harley Quinn's season one and two. So if you've got feedback for that, animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com is a great place to send that stuff. And do we have anything else we need to let the people know about before we get out of here? Plugs? Uh, Just in regard to plugs, I am hating a gauntlet of podcasts within these last 24 hours. I was doing the weekly check-in for Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast to talk about Miss Marvel. We are four episodes in and they have been a delight. Uh, obviously keep up with all the animation deliberation stuff we just talked about everything but i just feel like saying it again anyways and mm-hmm. lastly three to three with reed murphy we're doing a sports update over there that episode is recording in an hour of the time that i am saying these words 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it for me. And on my end, as always, follow us on all of our social medias. We are on Twitter and Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram, Animation Deliberation Podcast. You should look us up, and we're the only one on Twitter. We are at Animation Delib One. Uh, I put all of our information up there, and then when we talk about guest appearances, I try and also post those wherever I can or retweet. If Jay Scotty says he's on this show, I'll retweet his tweet. So you can find kind of a culmination of all of our stuff on all of those. Um, besides just following us directly and yeah that's all i have currently going on jay scotty what about you yeah i recently appeared on another episode of bingers assembled which is the podcast on the stranded panda network that typically covers franchise films and geeky content but this time around we did a little bit of a one-off we covered what has been my favorite film of the year so far a24's everything everywhere all at once which is just an incredible film. I can only describe it as a masterpiece. Definitely recommend you watch it and then check out that podcast. I was joined by Matthew Carroll as well as Captain Game Show himself, John Irons. And you've heard John's name on our podcast before because he submitted us feedback. And it's only a matter of time before we actually have him on an episode of Animation Deliberation forthright. So uh, check that out wherever you get your podcast. And that's it for me this week. So... Thanks again for listening and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. And to ye, muscle, muscle. (laughs) Well done. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. You're invited to take a vacation. From everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome.